In today's episode, I am going to be wearing sunglasses, not just because I'm a douchebag. Um, the actual, I have a very good reason. First of all, I've been up since three o'clock in the morning. This light is obnoxiously bright and, um, and my eyes look like shit. I can see it in the little monitor there and I need to shave. I look like a haggard freaking mess. I look exhausted. So I'm just kidding. I'm actually not going to wear sunglasses. Oh, that's horrible. So yeah, I went to bed. This is kind of interesting. I went to bed last night at, uh, at 11, right around 11. And then I woke up at three, you know, just turned, turned around, whatever. And as soon as I woke up, my mind just started going excited about things that are happening and start thinking about work and all that stuff. And then I, I, this happens to me probably a couple times a month. It used to happen to me a lot more often. I'd get up at like two in the morning. Sometimes after like two hours, two and a half hours, three hours of sleep. I'm not saying this is good. And here's the interesting thing. The interesting thing about that. I've always struggled with sleep. I have a hard time getting to sleep. I hate sit laying in bed, tossing and turning. I can fall asleep on the couch. Not too bad if I'm tired because it, it allows my mind to not be constantly going as it always is. Um, but the interesting thing last night is I was listening to a podcast. I've been listening to a podcast over the last couple of days when I've been driving to meetings and stuff. That's usually if I have a bit of a drive, I'll throw something on to listen to. Uh, and the podcast was uh, Brian, Brian, what the heck is his last name? Ugh. Anyways, this podcast is called London Real. You've probably heard of it. He's had a lot of, a lot of big names on there. Um, Simon Senek, I think is his name. Most people know who he is. Uh, lots of guys have been on there. Really, it's really generally really good. The stuff that I've listened to Jocko Willink. Uh, anyways, the guy that he had on there is, is I think as far as I know, the world's foremost expert on sleep. He's a neuroscientist, but he's specializes in sleep. His name is Matthew Walker. And it was actually really, it was, I mean, obviously aside from being really interesting, it was really, it was really scary to be honest with you, because I think all of us understand how important sleep is, um, or at least we think we understand. But you know, the opening line in this thing is the, the, um, Brian Rose is his name, I think. Anyways, his, he always has a kind of a trailer lead up to things as he's getting into it with little sound bites from the podcast. And one of the things that the guy said, he said, there's, there's absolute truth to the shorter your sleep, the shorter your life. And I've always been somebody who, if I've always, well, not always, but for at least the last probably, how old am I now? 16 years or so. Yeah. So it says like 19, 20. I always would say if I could, if I could live off of no sleep without any health of health detriment to my health, I would do it in a heartbeat. I've never, I love being productive. I love doing what I do so I could do it all the time, every day, nonstop, without question. Um, and, uh, and so sleep to me was always just like, it pissed me off. It's a waste of my time. And I've always fought, I've fought with my doctor over the last 10, 12 years about there's gotta be a way for me to live off of three, four, five hours of sleep. And, um, so anyways, that's always been my posture up until a couple days ago, but listening to that podcast, it was a wake up call. It really was a wake up call. And, um, I would recommend listening to it when you, if you get a chance, because it's just something that we, we, we do neglect it. We, it's incredible how important it actually is. 
And from a scientific standpoint, like the stuff he talks about, you know, as far as our, our capacity to be productive people, and there's so there's just so much to it. It affects everything, every single thing. It was scary. It was really, man, I mean, it was, it was an eye-opener. I, if you told me a week ago that I'd be saying that I would be taking it serious to try to get eight hours of sleep a night, a week ago, I would have been like, you're off your rocker. You have no idea what you're talking about. So anyways, if you have some time, I mean, there's millions of things to listen to with that thing. It was just really important in terms of health, mental health, physical health, your productivity, all these things come into play with this. So anyways, the funny thing about that was a really long segue into what I'm trying to say. The funny thing about this is last night I was, uh, I was actually listening to him on Joe Rogan's podcast before I was going to sleep again. And it's like, and then what happens? I, you know, I fall asleep decently, 1030 or 11 o'clock, probably by the time I fell asleep at about 11. I woke up at 2.58 in the morning was when I checked my clock, turned around, felt I'm like, oh, I can tell I'm really probably, I'm going to have a hard time getting back to sleep if I get back to sleep. Check my clock, it's 2.58, which was uh, almost, it's 2.42 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, my time right now, so that was almost 12 hours ago. Um, so I've put in, I got into the office just after, uh, right around 4. But I just thought it was interesting that, that that's what I listened to before that. I have no idea if that's a benefit to you. That was quite the intro, six minutes of yapping about my story of sleep last night. So anyways, if I look like hell, look like a haggard pile of crap that just crawled out of a dumpster. No, I did not have a big big night of partying last night. I had a big night of listening to a podcast about sleep and here we are. So one of the things that I wanted to chat about today just in reading through this is the whole concept of experience because I find some of the things I'm going to chat about here, some of the things that I'm going to read here, and maybe something intelligent might come out of my mouth from it. Um, but it's really important to understand this. It was very helpful to me in my early process of of transposing this. Was that even the right word? I have no idea. Of transposing, we'll just go with it, this content onto my real life experience. And the same will be true for you. So let's get into it. I'm, if you're following on this version, I can't find my new Psycho-Cybernetics version. If you're going to buy it, I recommend getting it. Link is in the description. Yes, it's an affiliate link. I might get 17 cents. I don't really care. You can just go look it up. But the new Psycho-Cybernetics is the one I recommend because it's been updated. There's a lot of really good updates in there. All right, so let's go. So pre on the preface, I think it's page five, Roman numeral X, whatever it is. The self-image is changed for better or worse, not by intellect alone, no, nor by intellectual knowledge alone, but by experiencing. Wittingly or unwittingly, you developed your self-image by your creative experiencing in the past. You can change it by the same method. What he's talking about when he references creative experiencing, that is imagination. That is exactly what's going on there because we're imagining the sort of person that we are. We are deducing from experiences. We're deducing from the way that people respond to us. We're, we're sadly deducing from what people say about us and how, how people treat us that this must be indicative of the sort of person that I am. It's all going on in the imagination in some capacity. So he's saying, wittingly or unwittingly, you developed your self-image by your creative experiencing in the past. You can change it by the same method. Um, all right. So skipping ahead here, where it says science discovers synthetic experience. Another discovery this time in the field of experimental and clinical psychology enables us to use experiencing as a direct and controlled method for changing the self-image. 
Actual real life experience can be a hard and ruthless teacher. Throw a man in water over his head and the experience may teach him to swim. The same experience may cause another man to drown. Now here's the thing about this as a little bit of a aside. I can't remember if it's mentioned in this book or if it's in the new Psycho Cybernetics, but it, they make a really good point that you cannot make, and I've, I've talked about it before, that you cannot make an Olympic swimmer out of throwing somebody who cannot swim into the water and letting them swim because that experience there's way too much pressure it what it results in is rigidity not um, flexibility which is what's needed and especially in sales it's the exact same thing so this is why I'm telling you don't take this stuff and try to don't take any of the selling strategies that you might learn here or from anybody else and go and try to do that in the field because a you're under pressure you can't do that. If you're a golfer, you know you, you just take your swing. Whatever you swing you, you have at the golf course is the one you go out on the course with and you just play with it. Because trying to change that under pressure, you're just gonna, you're gonna cause way more of a mess than you would have just playing your game the way it is. So that's why this is so important is because you're, you're engaging in practice in an environment where there is no pressure. It's you, you're not talking to a prospect, you're not even necessarily role playing with a third party, although, although that is really good if you could find somebody to do that with but it's in the context of there not being any pressure so that you don't learn in, that, in a way that's going to develop rigidity in the way that you do things. You're gonna, you're gonna be able to be flexible and you're going to be able to uh, internalize this stuff correctly. So where were we with that? Oh yeah, because I was talking about the throw a man in in uh, in water so there he was saying i think it's in the new one you're talking about the concept that you cannot create an olympic um, swimmer by that method they have to learn in a environment where there isn't pressure and stress and i believe it's the same with everything else okay so skipping a little bit ahead here for centuries it has been recognized that nothing succeeds like success we learn to function successfully by experiencing success. <clears throat> by experiencing success. I thought that was a comma, just my messy underlining. We learn to function successfully by experiencing success. Memories of past successes act as built-in stored information, which gives us self-confidence for the present task. Do I stop here and elaborate on that, or do I carry on? I'm going to try to carry on, and hopefully this thing is working and I can remember. Okay, so let's just back up. Let's do that sentence over again. Memories of past successes act as built-in stored information which gives us self-confidence for the present task. But, how can a person draw upon memories of past successful experiences when he has experienced only failure? His plight is somewhat comparable to the young man who cannot secure a job because he has no experience and cannot acquire experience because he cannot get a job. That is exactly what it is that we're talking about. This dilemma was solved by another important discovery which for all practical purposes allows us to synthesize experience, to literally create experience and control it in the laboratory of our minds. Experimental and clinical psychologists have proved beyond a, dado, beyond a shadow of a doubt that the human nervous system cannot tell the difference between an actual experience and one that is imagined vividly and in detail. That is one of two, if not the single most important sentence, that last one, 
in this book for me. <coughs> and if, it might be for you too, but that's why. And again, I've, I'm gonna say this probably every single session. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be incredibly repetitive here. I'm gonna say the same thing 18,000 different ways because this is it. Ha this has to get internalized. And if you're and if you're getting it already, then shut this off. Don't listen to it. And get to work. Don't worry about it. That's what I'd like to see. Um, so going back to that part there, let me see if I remember. I was gonna say, I'm gonna say something here, and now I forget. Okay, so I think it kind of went on to it anyways. About the memories of past successes act as built-in stored information which gives us self-confidence for the present task. So he's talking about, we're, take this out of the context of it being actual uh, real life experience. Because of the fact that your nervous system cannot tell the difference between a real experience and one that's ima imagined vividly, what this is saying is we can synthesize, we can create those su successful experiences in the safety of imagination practice and role play in the safety of not being in front of prospects in the laboratory of our mind so that we can create that any which way that we want so you know i've given a ton of different tips on this channel for sales there's tons of stuff out there lots of i don't follow any of them but you know who they are there's tons of reputable gurus as far as i know um, that teach good selling skills so you can emulate that stuff, but you have to practice it. That's what this is talking about, is it's talking about when you do that, because your nervous system cannot tell the difference between a real experience and one that is imagined vividly, you are drawing upon that successful, those, those moments when you're engaged in role playing or imagination practice, you're role playing with yourself, whatever that, however that plays out, you do that well, you come out of those sessions feeling like a million bucks, like you got this, that is recorded as a successful experience. So when you go into the actual battle, you're gonna start, you are unconsciously or subconsciously or whatever, I'd have no idea what's happening from a psychological standpoint, but something is drawing upon those experiences to cause that to be the exact same way that you are going to perform in those moments. Is it hit home yet? That's the biggest thing I tell people all the time. The biggest single thing, practice. Get the right stuff and then practice it and practice it and practice it and practice it and practice it over and over and over and over and over again. So many of you have like 45 minute, one hour, hour and a half long commutes to and from work. So you're in the car two to three hours a day. Stick your Bluetooth on put your phone on your thing and just sit there and go. Find the things that make sense to you in terms of you know, some of the tips that I've given on earlier videos. Map that onto your world, practice that in the context of how things function when you're dealing with prospects and practice that. Internalize those things. Get that to be your default mode so that when you sit down in front of somebody or you pick up the phone or you do whatever it is that you do when it comes to selling, you go into autopilot mode and it's drawing from those successful experiences. Because I'm going to tell you one thing, if it's not drawing from those successful experiences that you synthesize, it's going to draw from all the failure experiences that you have that A, you've synthesized because we've, we've gone through this, that you've created in your own mind and B, that you've actually engaged in because if you were doing so well, you wouldn't be here. So. 
you have to internalize this stuff. You have to internalize this stuff. That is the absolute biggest piece of advice I can give anybody. I think next to that's how you build the belief. But if you don't, if you're if you're not willing to do that, I would seriously question how much you actually want it. You might want to want it. You might want to want it. Let me rephrase that correctly. You might want to want that success. You might want to have that level of desire. But if you're not willing to put in the work and do these things, the chances that you actually want it are slim and none. Or that you want it bad enough that's going to cause you. Because when you want it bad enough, you just do it. There's no question about it. You just go and do it. So let me just make sure my camera's on. Because I told you about my little problem the other day. It still happens. Oh, 17 minutes. It's at some point in the next five minutes, it's just randomly going to shut off without any indication to me, without any warning, without any beeping, without anything. Sony, come on! <clears throat> so, but that's also the thing. You know, I talked about it, I think, in the first session. I'm going to talk about this this one a lot. Again, this is right up there with, with, uh, with the concepts we're talking about, about your nervous system not being able to t tell the difference between a real experience and one that's imagined vividly. Um, we can't create we can't create appetite, desire, obsession. We can't just wake up and choose those things. We can't wake up and choose to have the belief in ourselves either. These things are cultivated indirectly. If you sit and let's say you go on a diet and you sit and think about your favorite food that you can't eat, and you keep thinking about it and thinking about it and imagining. Uh, devouring that dish over and over and over again, what's going to happen? Eventually you're done because you're giving that, you are feeding that, you're cultivating that desire, you're building it up because you're imagining it. That's how this is done. It's the exact same way. If you sense that you don't, if you don't think that you have the level of, of obsession and desire that's required in order to do what the things you need to do, namely practice and put in the work obviously, but practice because there's so few people who are actually going to do this. If you sense that that's an issue, then you just need to get really clear about what it is you want and start imagining what are the benefits. If I do this, if I succeed at what it is I'm trying to do from a selling or business perspective, if I do that, what is that going to look like for my life? And start living that out in your imagination. Make it crystal clear. The clearer that it is, remember the nervous system can't tell the difference between a real experience and one that is imagined vividly and in detail. The more detail, the more vivid, the more real it is to you, the more emotion that's going to be behind it, the more that it's going to give that fuel to, to build that desire that you need to have. And that's how you cultivate it. That's how you cultivate belief. That's exactly what we're talking about here. This is the how-to. This was such an incredible revelation for me years ago when I realized, like, you can't just, there's so many people saying this, believe in yourself. You got to want it. Yeah, you don't wake up and just choose that. You have to cultivate that and nobody's telling anybody that. This is how you do that when you become conscious of that. Start imagining the right things. The reason that you're scared shitless to pick up the phone, the reason that you're scared to go call on people and go and do walk-ins or whatever it is that you do is because you're imagining yourself getting the shit kicked out of you. That's it. Hopefully we beat this camera at its own game. We just reset it. So hopefully it starts that stupid timer again. But I'm pretty much done. That's really the gist of what I'm trying to say. Is that if you can't pull upon, if you can't draw upon actual real life successful experience in selling, 
then this is the way that you have to do it. And if you've built up an, an incredibly huge inventory of losses because you haven't been doing very well at sales um, and or you've been imagining yourself being a shitty salesperson and seeing yourself fail and seeing yourself act in all the ways we've talked about and all the ways you know what we're talking about. This is the only way that you change that. This is the only way that you start to build up a catalog, an inventory to draw upon of successful experiences that synthesize. Because here's the thing, you're not consciously doing it. When I started doing this and I started to change the way that I was communicating and selling and speaking in public and talking on camera, I wasn't consciously doing it. I was just starting to act out what I had practiced and internalized. That's it. That's it. Please tell me you under, please tell me this, that you get this. Because I don't know how well I'm explaining this stuff. But if it's, if it's giving you that epiphany or light bulb where something's happening there, let me know. If it's not making any sense, let me know too because I mean, I'm all over the place. Like I said, I've been up for, it's 2.59 right now. I've officially been up for uh, 12 hours and one minute. So my brain is pretty much thoroughly compromised and dead right now. So if I'm all over the place, it's not your fault. But I, this is the most, this is, I, I think, I mean, there's so many different things. But this is arguably one of the top one, two, or three things that you need to get out of this that I think will unlock everything for you. As long as you put it into practice and do something with it, don't just sit there and think, oh my gosh, I just learned something and then you don't do anything with it because then you don't really learn it. So go do something with this. What are you gonna do? Go practice. If you had all, this, if you had all the confidence in the world, if you had no fear of people whatsoever, how would you behave? If you weren't scared to pick up the phone, how would you behave? If you weren't scared to piss somebody off, how would you talk to them? If you knew that it didn't matter, you just ran the numbers and did your thing, how would you function? How would you communicate? If you had all the confidence in the world, how would you live your life? How would you carry yourself? How would you communicate with people? How would you deal with prospects? How would you deal with customers? How would you deal with difficult customers? How would you deal with difficult people? Now go do that. But first do it in practice or you will never be able to do it in reality. See you on the next one.